Hey, Mary. Yes, Katie? What lies at the bottom of the ocean and twitches? Um, mm, I, I don't know. A nervous wreck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. It's Thank so you good. so much for that one. <laughs> You're welcome. Hello and welcome to the Gentleman Pirates Library, a podcast covering every episode of the HBO show Our Flag Means Death. I'm Katie. And I'm Mary. And today we'll be taking a deep dive into episode two, A Damned Man, also known as the one where Steed almost loses his mind, but ends up outwitting Izzy Hands and finding himself. But first, let's have a look at the results of our Twitter poll. This week, we asked you which flag made by Steed's crew in episode one was your personal favorite. And we got some really interesting results. I feel very validated by these results, frankly. Uh, I think so. Uh, With 69, nice, percent, (laughs) it was was the cat. Um, It was was Frenchie's cat. And, you know, honestly, it's probably because um, he made such a big deal about it. It was so talked about. And so he was so passionate about it. And you just love seeing that passion. But, you know, sewing all the buttons to the skull vomiting buttons, that was probably pretty passionate, too. So I, I agree. I think it shows a lot of patience uh, yes. to be able to do all that. And definitely so much creativity. Yes. So it looks like the cat won, um, but coming up next was 17.8% was the skull vomiting buttons, which was my personal vote. Uh-huh. And uh, the skull eating another skull, was that what, was 5.4%. Mm-hmm. And then the skeleton holding its own head was 7.8%. I think that was the Swedes flag. I think so too. And unfortunately, there was never really an explanation for either of those, as far as I remember. (laughs) I would have loved to kind of get into the creative process of of the people who did this one. Only a 30 minute show. So there you go. And one thing that we will say is that uh, because we got a couple of comments about it, yes, of course, we are incredibly in agreement with Steed as to putting them all up because they all deserved to be displayed. They did. Do. They do. They were all adorable. Perfectly made. Are we ready to dive into the episode? Yes, I think so. So, Katie, before we get started, I was kind of wondering if you had some general thoughts about the episode. I think that this episode, um, Steed kind of proves himself. Um, he starts off extremely down um Mm -hmm. he's beating himself up about nigel he's his boat has run aground and at the end he's kind of striding through the jungle with determination (laughs) if not you know skilled determination he's still very determined and especially that ending uh especially 
at the end, when he's standing on the boat looking into the sunset, he's really accomplished something. So this episode itself from beginning to end was really a journey for Steed. And that's kind of the overall impression I got was that um, it was an opportunity for him to have a success that he orchestrated himself. I, I, I could not agree more, honestly, especially with the last part. I, I found that this episode really showed Steed gaining self-awareness um, about who he is and who he wants to be and not really letting others decide who he is for him. So I think that there's definitely a lot of, um, there's a really good example of self-determination, especially near the end of the episode. And so, yeah, I think we're going to be focusing on, on Steed's journey in this, uh, in this episode. Yeah. And if you look at everyone who he comes up against, they're all telling him that he needs to do X, Y, Z. And he's saying, no, I'm going to do ABC. Yeah, exactly. So he is very determined to follow the path that he wants, even if it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. To anybody else but him. And I mean, that's what he's been doing just by becoming the pirate that he is now. (laughs) Faking it till he makes it. That's right. Aren't we all? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think so. Very relatable. Uh, Very relatable. (laughs) That's why we love him. (laughs) All right. So um, the episode itself opens on a French vessel. Mm -hmm. um, And it turns out that Black Pete is telling this story to the crew. Um, And he it's kind of like a fantasy fantasy sequence where he is saying that Blackbeard is history's greatest pirate and my former boss. Yeah. So we see Carnage. We see Blackbeard striding across the deck. Um, When we cut to Blackbeard's face, it's just smoke and glowing eyes. And this is where we break into the actual, uh, to the revenge, where they're all sitting around listening to this story. And Steed is just eating it up with a spoon. And everyone else is kind of like, eh, okay. (laughs) And he's asking about the logistics of... Well, how do the eyes float? You know, do yeah. the eyes float if the beard is just made of smoke? <laughs> it, I honestly loved Steed's reaction to Black Pete's yeah. story. Like he's just, like you said, he's eating it up. He's fascinated. Like you can tell that he he's wondering about this mystical man. Well, right. I mean, you'd have to think he's heard about mm-hmm. Blackbeard. That's mm-hmm. one of, I'm sure, one of his idols. I mean, he's only been a pirate captain for so long and i'm sure that was reading about blackbeard and reading about all these famous pirates Mm -hmm. and then he hires this crew and they're going to tell him all their stories where you know last episode where roach said he sewed sewed up his own arm and stuff like that like they have history that he doesn't have and naive or not he's listening to all these stories going oh wow oh my god this is exactly why i started doing this this is exactly it's like this is what i want to (laughs) be yeah so you know he is he's the perfect prey for black pete to be able to just tell these yeah just extraordinary stories too yeah he's like the perfect audience that's for sure and just on a little historical note here um blackbeard really had a reputation that's for sure even back in the 18th century people were talking about him like this whole idea of his head being smoke is not that far from reality and let me tell you why okay 
so he had a reputation for inhuman strength. So he was incredibly strong from what people were saying. Um, and he also, and I quote, cultivated his image to strike fear into the hearts of other sailors, wrapping slow burning coils in his long black hair and beard. What does that mean? So he basically like wrapped up uh like incense like to a certain degree yeah exactly like little things that burn slowly so that it wouldn't actually burn his hair uh he would put it in his hair and his beard so that it appeared like he was smoking oh my gosh yeah so that is actually um <laughs> you know we, we we say that black pete is telling stories but maybe his stories aren't that far at least from uh what we're now told today that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really cool. I mean, honestly, your image is 90% of the battle, basically. You know, if, yeah. if someone's too scared to even confront you, mm -hmm. then you're going to win. And because I know a little bit about what happened, you know, cultural osmosis and all and existing on the internet, um, I just want to highlight how important the beard is to his image. Okay. No, I don't know anything about the beard. I haven't been okay. told about that. All right. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Um, I mean, obviously it's his name, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's part of his identity at this point. Yeah, and wasn't there a pirate named Bluebeard as well? Yes. Okay. Yes, there was. Interesting. I wonder what what he did. <laughs> what did he do to his beard? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to look it up. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, let's make that note. All right. Um so Black Pete is telling this story, and of course he is the hero of the story. He's he's doing flips, and he's cutting their necks, and mm -hmm. blood is spurting out in this very <laughs> slapstick way, like slapstick gore. Yeah. Um, and he's doing these intricate gymnastics and intricate moves. And uh, so Blackbeard says that Pete saved his hide, and he shall be known as the Dread Black Pete, and he's going to be Blackbeard's right-hand man. This all sort of makes me wonder how he actually got his name, because, like, again, we know that he's telling stories, but maybe they're not as rooted in lies as we think, just because right. of what we just found out. So it, it just makes me wonder, like, how much of this is really real about his name? Well, I'd love to know how he explains why he's not part of his crew anymore like if yeah. he got to the status of blackbeard's right hand man well then what'd you do to lose that status like right. why are you here with us yeah. you know you'd think being so um to boast about this you would have to have a really good explanation as to why you're not there anymore mm -hmm. exactly you know oh he was too intimidated by me <laughs> <laughs> i can definitely see that happen yes 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 <laughs> So, um, Steed still believes him, you know, everyone else is like, whatever. And Button says, I was with him until the flip. So Olawande asks a scene buttons. He look. he says, well, who's steering the ship? And that's when they <laughs> run aground and we go to the title card. Yeah, actually, again, speaking of that, I have a quick historical check about it. Um, so while we have no evidence that the revenge was run aground, um, mm -hmm. there something that we do know is that Blackbeard definitely did run of run one of his ships aground. So he <laughs> sailed uh, the Queen Anne's Revenge into a okay. sandbank in North Carolina, 
And for a while, people thought that it was an accident. But with new evidence that has come to light recently, it sort of sounds like he did it on purpose because the ship was damaged beyond repair. Um, and so he okay. was trying to get to land as fast as he could um, to save himself and his crew and um, and the riches that they had pillaged from a merchant ship. Okay. Yeah. Um, I find it really interesting, like, I'm not a physics person, <laughs> and I'm not a boat person, but how the hell do these boats stay upright? They oh, just goodness. look so top heavy. Like, I don't understand. What am I not understanding here? Oh, there's there's a whole series of TikToks about this, actually. <laughs> about <laughs> I don't understand how this works. And people put it in the simplest terms. And I'm like, but I still don't get it. No. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. And like, don't get me wrong. Physics. Uh, I took physics in high school. I took physics in college. And I was like, huh? You know, yeah. like, yeah. That is, it's fine. I just, like, you see cruise ships and stuff like that. And you're like, how are you, how are you not falling over? I don't understand. But like, yeah. so when he's, when they're a gr run aground and he's sitting there pushing on the boat, I'm like, how is this boat upright? <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like that's also, the depiction wouldn't really be how it happened. Like, I feel like run aground also means like, yes, it would be like in the sandbank, but not necessarily on the beach. Okay. You know, it would probably yeah, be like. Yeah. A There's little, still a little ways them. away from the beach, they would probably have to either row or swim to to shore, per se. I guess you have to wait for the tide to come in to float you out a little bit better. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. And you can kind of tell that this whole story happens over a day, right? So in the morning, yes. it's not working because the tide mm -hmm. is low. But then in the evening... And, and there's also the fact that, like, in the evening, everybody is helping, right? So there's there's a yeah. whole slew of reasons why it's not working in the morning. That's so funny. Like, it's okay if we don't know anything about ships and pirating, right? Because neither does Steed. So. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to know. There it's you go. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Um, do you have anything about the title cards? Did you... Do you see now that the title card is not a flag? So it was like detritus from the beach. Yeah, it's a beautiful, like physical, practical effect. Um, really lovely, made with love, you can tell. Yeah, uh, that was really nice to see. So mm -hmm. yeah, you'll see that every episode they make like a new one, which is really neat. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so we go and uh, Buttons <laughs> and Steed are standing next to the boat on the beach. And Steed is like trying to push on the ship itself yeah. um, unsuccessfully. And Buttons says they're going to have to start eating the crew. <laughs> uh, mentions that Lucius would be succulent. <laughs> He's just a little too eager for my taste. Just immediately goes to cannibalism. <laughs> Immediately. Coupled like, with those fangs, like, oh, They haven't even been there for a day, and he's like, we're going to have to eat Lucius. <laughs> like, yes. I mean, and you can imagine that uh, there's a lot of provisions on that boat, I'm sure. Like, how long would it be until they had to actually um, even go into the forest for food, you know, and and find food that way? Like, there's going to be, it's going to be a while. Yeah, Um yeah, I think that this says a lot more about Mr. Buttons than it does yeah. about the situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as that's happening, suddenly um, the ghost of Nigel Badminton is showing up and he literally has the sword through his eye and out the back yeah. of his head. Pretty gruesome. And he's taunting Steed about what a terrible pirate he is. Mm -hmm. And it really freaks Steed out. And finally, he's 
arguing with him a little bit. And then he screams, enough, and Nigel disappears. So it's very clear it's a hallucination, obviously, if the sword yeah. didn't give it away. Yeah. I really liked in that moment when he says, like, well, at least I'm alive. Because I yes. felt like that was such a contrast with the last episode where, like, he doesn't even know if he really wants to live. Like, here you can tell yes. that he's embracing the fact that he's alive. Um, yes. And, it, it, you know, this whole dialogue between him and Nigel really is an internal monologue. And that's really how I'm choosing to look at it in this case. Yeah. 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 It's very jarring. Um, but he is just saying what is Steed's worst fears. Yeah. You know, his worst thoughts about himself. Like he calls yeah. him fat. He calls him like a lot of different things that you yeah. probably think Steed is thinking about himself, which is just yeah. so sad. Yeah. Um, so they cut to the crew sitting on the beach and Steed is talking to them. And of course, we John brings up that they'll have to eat each other and Buttons keeps like <laughs> side eyeing Lucius very pointedly. <laughs> very cute. Um, and so Steed tells them to think of themselves on a vacation. And of course, they are just like, what? Yeah. Is a what is that? Yeah. Um, very confused. And the Swede ask, What is what's the punishment if we don't like take a day, <laughs> day of leisure? <laughs> yeah. But Lucius very much understands what a vacation is. Right. Which kind of comes back to your point about where did Lucius come from? Where did he come from? I really want to know. Like, did he hire him along the way? Did he mm -hmm. like I I'm fascinated. I really hope we find out. Yeah. Um let's see. So Roach asks if he can rest by torturing the hostages and he has this like lucille style <laughs> yeah. Yeah. with like spikes coming out of it yeah, <laughs> like, oh, exactly. like ah, no 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 <laughs> and he says um maybe take him for a walk to air air them out a bit because they're smelling and then he goes oh not your fault like yeah. he's so polite to them and then black pete well, why don't you just bake him a pie? And, oh, Steed says, oh, is that what Blackbeard would do? He said, no, he'd stick hot pokers up their asses. <laughs> okay, well, just the walk. <laughs> Steed. I know. I love it. I love it. So, you know, this whole um, episode is kind of WWBBD, you know, what would Blackbeard do? That's so and true. he's always asking, what would Blackbeard do? And <sighs> so, you know, he is the ultimate litmus test of, of a pirate captain. Yeah. He's like trying to emulate him without really knowing who he is or what he would do. Yeah. And oh, he's using Black Pete, of course, as the authority, yeah. which he has no authority, but he thinks he does he anyway. Can... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but from what you said, you know, putting the, the slow burning coils in his beard. Yeah. You know, I think any of them could kind of say what Blackbeard would do. Yeah. Uh, with a little bit more authority than Steed, at least. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think, I think that's what it comes down to. It's that he doesn't, you know, he relies very much on his crew to tell him how to be. And yes. I would imagine that as a pirate captain, that would be very dangerous for your survival. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting because that takes the, the power dynamic um, it changes it a little bit. It kind of evens the playing field. Like, yeah. yes, he's paying them, mm -hmm. but he needs this knowledge from them. And it, it, it's a lot like where I work, my boss has no clue how to do my job. Mm -hmm. And um, there's other departments where he very much knows how to do their job. And they'll like butt heads with him. And they always ask, like, why do you have such a great relationship with the boss? And I'm like, well, you understand, like, he's up here. 
and you're down here. He has the power, but he also has the knowledge and he's telling you how to do your job. Yeah. With me, he has the power, but I have the knowledge. Mm. And so it kind of evens our relationship out mm -hmm. because he's coming to me with questions about the best way to do things Yeah, because he doesn't know. But with them, he's saying, no, 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 this is the best way to do it and you need to do it. And because he's the boss, you're going to do it. Yeah. But with course. me, I'm like, oh, well, this is the best way to do it. And he's like, okay, I don't know any better. So, <laughs> you know, so power, power is balanced in several different ways. And not only is it money, but it's also knowledge. And them having the knowledge really kind of evens out that power balance. That's very, very true. That's such an interesting point in this moment. And and, and you can tell that that sort of shifts a little bit near the end. Like you can tell that he mm -hmm. gains a little bit of that leadership, but at that moment, like he has none. Yes. Yeah. So Steed calls Jim and Alawande over and he's have, saying he's having a hard time being a murderer. Mm. And they're like, well, would we really call you a murderer? Like they're the ones who saw that he, <laughs> Alawande and Lucius saw that he definitely did not murder Nigel, mm -hmm. that it was unintended. And so, um, you know, all the one day's calling him a little bit on it. Like, don't feel so bad. You really didn't do anything. And he's like, no, I perilously and wantedly took a man's life. You know? Yeah. So he's wanting that credit. Mm -hmm. He's wanting to, to take that role, but he can't make peace with it. Yeah. I, I also wondered if, you know, you know how sometimes people will feel guilty or responsible for things that they didn't directly cause necessarily? Sure. I think that that's a very human emotion. Um, I wonder how much of it is that and how much of it is him kind of wanting to be this murderous pirate. Um, mm. And I, because the thing is, I think that the guilt that he shows a little bit later um shows that while he really wants to be this murderous pirate, he still has other instincts that are kind of telling him that this is wrong. Yeah. So he's kind of like battling two sides of himself. Like there's a lot of duality in him in this moment. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Jim makes a series of hand gestures um, and Alawande translates, when you kill, you die as well. Yeah. Um, so they're just kind of trying to talk to him about you know, coming to peace with that. Uh, he gets distracted by something that another crew member does and he walks off and then we're with Jim and Alawande and finally Jim is talking and they're saying that they want a bath and yeah. there's some really lovely tension between Alawande and Jim. And I wrote in my notes, I don't know if anything will come of it, but it was very cute. Um, but at the end, that it comes back up. So yeah. obviously there is, it is going somewhere. I know. I'm so excited yeah. about this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are so cute. They are really cute. All one day is still my love. So yeah. anything that makes all one day happy, I am happy. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> Same for Jim, frankly. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Jim's awesome. Let's see. The crew is having a hard time figuring out what a vacation is. They discover that Roach let the hostages go pee. Yeah. Like in this very dense forest. And of course they're not going to come back. <laughs> um, so Steed says they're going to have to form a small search party and Alawande offers. And then uh, Black Pete is asked to join since he was Blackbeard's right hand man. He thinks he should join. So, yeah, so this he... is the little trio that runs off. 
Exactly. He's like both voluntold to do this, but yes. also like charmed into it. Like, oh, flattered. Like, oh, you were yes. Blackbeard's right hand man, you know? And like, oh, okay, like, fine. Well, yes, I was. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so they're walking through the forest, and Black Pete says something to Steed about uh, how he Blackbeard is ruthless and he can kill men women or children without even blinking an eye and steed's like wait a minute he kills children yeah and he's like oh just the really bad ones <laughs> <laughs> um so alawande pipes up and says you know you know he's the only one who believes you like you never worked with blackbeard and so they start arguing and then uh they're caught in a trap and surrounded by indigenous people yeah yeah, that I, I thought that that was such a, I don't know why, but I really was not expecting that yeah. to happen. So it was really shocking to me. And I, I assume that it was also shocking to, particularly to Steed. Yes. Well, I, I didn't know that they were on, and they could have still be on an island, but you know, I, I just had this like deserted island feeling. Right. I, I thought they were alone. Well, I think, I think it's a little bit. You know, because in 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 the history books, you know, it's in North Carolina that Blackbeard uh, sailed the ship aground. Mm-hmm. Here, we're not too sure where it is, um, because again, the story seems to take so much seems to take place uh, on the coast. Yeah, but the foliage is very tropical. Like it's just, and I yes. think the whole goal is to kind of make it look Caribbean without necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very unclear where they are. What we know is that it's a quote-unquote deserted island. And it turns out that there are actually people on there. It's not deserted. It's only deserted for people who don't consider indigenous (laughs) people as people. Uh, Which was a lot of them back then. Exactly. uh, I plant my flag and they're like, uh, exactly. (laughs) I claim this land. I'm like, what? Uh, This isn't your land to claim. Exactly. Um, So back on the beach, uh, Earlier, um, we, John, had mentioned something about gunpowder. And so the crew is blowing <laughs> stuff up with gunpowder. And Lucius gets scared of the explosion and runs off. And we cut, we kind of zoom in the distance. There's three rough looking men and say, what kind of idiots run a ship aground? Which is <laughs> kind of funny considering they're on Blackbeard's crew and Blackbeard did run a ship aground. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, this is who we find out later to be Izzy Hands and two of his crew members. And he said the hostages will fetch a pretty penny. Um, so it looks like they've been watching them for a while because at this point the hostages are long gone. That's so true. So to yeah. a certain degree, there's also like not only is Steed obsessed with stories of Blackbeard, but Blackbeard also seems to have an interest in what Steed is doing. Definitely does. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know how long Izzy and and crew have been watching them, maybe just since they ran into ground. Mm -hmm. Like, how long have they been on their radar? Yeah, but that's a really good question. It it seems like from the end where he says, oh, Captain says, follow that ship. And they seem confused by that, Mm -hmm. that they weren't previously following them. That's fair. That's fair. So... This is probably when he hits on their radar, but it just looks like they've been watching them longer Mm -hmm. since he said the hostages will fetch a pretty penny. 
And it's been a while since the hostages have even been there. So yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think badminton had also said that like, there's a rumor that Steed left his family to become a pirate. So I would assume that the rumor has like made its way also within the pirating community. That's true. So Um, he he must have been like an oddity to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting to think how um, word travels and how they would recognize him. Um, Right. I mean, it wasn't until this episode with all the flags, like maybe now he's known as the the flag guy with cat skull vomit button, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But until then, he was just a random unmarked ship. Um, So we cut to Jim writing in a journal. Um, It looks like they're back aboard the ship. And it says day 28 on the lamb, which makes me wonder how many days they've been with Steed. Ah. Because, you know, how long did it take for them to meet up with Steed? Like, have the, has this crew really only been there for a couple of weeks? Or I guess that would mean that, yeah, this is very fresh yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Um, you can imagine that whatever they did to have to be on the run you know, took a few days to meet up with uh, a cover story and stuff like that. Yeah, so, exactly. So they have a, they have a price on their head um, and they really want to bathe. They're like soaking, soaking wet with sweat. And so then we cut to clothes on the beach and you can see the fake beard and the fake nose and Jim is swimming in the nude. Um, I have to say that the prosthetic, the full prosthetic nose <laughs> In a pirate story, uh, in the kills me in the best way. I love it. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. How many days did it take for you to get that nose? Like, yeah, exactly. Who made it for guy? you? What is it made out of? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just it adds to the the hilarity and and you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the, the of kind of like the absurdity of the story. Yes. And again, I, I don't mean this as a bad thing, but just like, I mm. love absurd humor. And this is definitely absurd humor. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so Izzy Hands and crew uh, approaches Buttons. And they say they're just humble wanderers passing through. And Buttons, you can tell, is extremely on edge. Um. Yeah, I'm assuming so, that he feels... He's like, nah, this is not... No. <laughs> he's a seasoned pirate. He knows. Yeah, <laughs> he knows exactly. He's approached, you know. Um, so we cut to the indigenous village. Mm-hmm. And Steed and Black Pete are in a makeshift cage together. I just need to say something about this cage. Because uh-huh. when you look at it from the wide shot, it looks like it's literally just, like, set over them. Oh, really? And I genuinely think that if they were to just stand up, they could get out of the cage. It's very true. Like, it doesn't have a bottom. Were they not hanging at some point? I I didn't even pay attention. That's so funny. I just, but because I, I looked at it, because I watched the episode twice, right? Once for enjoyment, uh-huh. just to kind of get an idea of it, and then again to take notes. And the second time around, I was like, wait a second, and I went back, and the cage is just like plopped over them. Like, of course it is. It's just oh, yeah, of course it is. There you go. It's so funny. Let's assume there's some sort of straps nailed into the ground (laughs) 
like a, like tent poles are yeah. you know yeah. let's just assume that okay <laughs> yes please please i'm okay with that and then yeah the straw in Aluande's coconut you know like it's yes. <laughs> all of it is just so good <laughs> um so they ask where the hostages are and there's a gag where they the the guard points and of mm-hmm. course they focus on the fire and there's something roasting over the in a, on a spit mm-hmm. and they say christ you savages and he's like no over yeah. there yeah. and the hostages are in a much larger enclosure yeah um and one of them like flips him the bird <laughs> like hey how are you and one of them flips him off which um speaking of the straw it's just another one of those historical inaccuracies because people did not actually use the middle finger in the 1700s. Yeah, there you go. That's just I found a really cool tweet thread that had all the historical inaccuracies, and some of them we haven't encountered yet. Oh but... yeah, oh that's so funny. Well, I mean, there's a lot of flipping the bird in this episode. That's too yes. funny. Yeah. Um. So, the guard mutters, "Fucking racist," and uh, <laughs> just kind of. I love this guard. I want to know more about him. He's amazing. Um, and then Oluwande comes striding up with a coconut, with a drink, with a straw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's just, he is vacationing at this point. Obviously, yeah. And they're, they're very, um, they're very pleasant to Oluwande. He obviously, you know, that he's a person of color. They mm-hmm. have recognized a kindred spirit and they're like, oh, you know, you're cool. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> they're like, mm, we've learned. <laughs> yes. And so, um. They find out they're going to have a trial, and Alawande yeah. says it's just a formality, and the guard mm-hmm. shakes his head, and oh, okay, not a formality. <laughs> well, speaking, actually, speaking of that, like the way there was something that really kind of caught my attention in that moment because the way mm-hmm. that Alu says, like, light skinned folks was mm. super reminiscent to me of white people who are going to say, he was, you know, like, and then they're going to lower their voice and say, black. Oh, yeah, yeah. Instead of just being able to right. say it. And it was just really interesting to see that done well, like to see that yes. reversed situation done really, really well to yes. hopefully make people think about the ways that they do that, particularly yes. white people. Hopefully. And when you're when you're uh, used to being in the majority and you're suddenly in the minority and mm-hmm. that power imbalance, you know, that power shifts and you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you should remember that for next time. <laughs> right. And that was immediately followed with like Steed saying, oh, but not us. We're not like that. Isn't that what everyone says? That is exactly what everyone says. <laughs> like, you know, this whole visual of white folks trying to distance themselves from racism mm-hmm. by saying like, oh, but I'm not racist. Yes. Yeah. When really what we should all try to be doing as white people is Mm -hmm. actively deconstruct the ways in which we benefit from racist systems and structures, uh, which Steve very much does. Yes, definitely. You know, well, his, in, in his previous life, quote unquote, he was a planter. So Mm -hmm. he definitely, uh, benefited from racist structures and possibly owned slaves. Yeah. Uh, Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're a planter. You own a plantation. You own a plantation. And all of that implies. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So eek. Very Um, eek. But but again, I think this is done in a way that allows people who want to to deconstruct that and talk about mm -hmm. that to do it. Uh, 
without seeming like like this is too much work for me to do i can't do it you know so the people who aren't quite ready to do that work don't necessarily have to Mm -hmm. and then but we can still have the conversation well and it looks like you know and i haven't seen the episodes but i hope we're not going to see that outright and if we do there i hope it'll be handled Mm -hmm. um his previous life and and all of that but um Again, it's one of those comedies where if you really dug into every aspect of the time, it would cease to be a comedy. Exactly. So they're they're dealing with it in a very surface way, but they have a lot of deep jokes that mm-hmm. that kind of allude to a lot of stuff. Exactly. I agree. Um all right. So Lucius um is still walking down the beach and oh, discovers yeah. Jim's disguise and then discovers Jim in the water. And then Jim sees Lucius and starts swimming towards the beach to get Lucius and Lucius starts running away. Yeah. So big secret re- revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, they cut to the trial where the um, elders. <laughs> the <trial>. <laughs> <laughs> Where the elders are sitting, mm-hmm. um, they're in some sort of hut structure, um, and asks, have you killed anyone recently? And one of the <laughs> hostages says, he has. And the hallucination of Nigel comes back and um, starts to put a lot of pressure on Steed and yeah. says, look what you've done. And Steed says, I'm a murderer. I'm a dirty, filthy murderer. Take me away. And so, of course, they're not seeing the hallucination of Nigel. They're just seeing him flip out. Yeah. Oh. I know. Poor Steed. And so Alawande is like, wait, 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 wait. He's seeing that this is rapidly devolving. Yeah. Um, and and speaks up for Steed, which is, mm-hmm. he didn't have to do. He's he's being treated very well, mm-hmm. you know, um, but... Uh, looking out for the crew and for Jim and for the situation that they were in that, mm-hmm. you know, this ru- running aground is temporary. They want to yeah. get back on the, on the ocean. One thing that I found interesting in this moment is that what really sets Steed off is when Nigel says that he probably had kids oh, and that yeah, they were never yeah. going to see their dad again. And of oh, course yeah. we know that this is Steed's, monologue so we're already kind of getting an idea that he feels guilty about leaving his own children um so alawande talks privately to the chief and explains you know we cut to the end of it where they're like oh so he didn't actually intend to murder him he was like no and black <laughs> pete is walking by and he's like called it and he's like what did you call you can't <laughs> so funny i love them i love them bickering black yeah. pete's such a such a little ass, you know. He really is. <laughs> but so Steed is lying on the knee of another elder, like yeah. getting therapy. Yeah. It's very, it's very cute, but also just so absurd. Something that's really interesting in the, is that in some uh, indigenous um, populations, there's this belief in the idea of spirit. And that's basically what makes you who you are. Um, And like the pain or the suffering that you carry in your spirit is going to manifest elsewhere, whether that's in your body or in the way that you Mm. act, etc. And and Steed is hallucinating. So clearly, like his his pain 
is manifesting mm-hmm. elsewhere. Um, and healing involves like healing your spirit too. So I think that that's, that's kind of what we're seeing modeled by the elder uh, when he asks him, you know, does this guilt concern something else? Uh, and then immediately again, we get a flashback to Steed leaving his kids behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that this is him trying to deal with that guilt. Yeah. And then the elder says, until you resolve the guilt, you will be, con- you will continue to be haunted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the chief comes up, says, we've decided to let you go. Uh, they said, okay, well, we'll take our hostages now. And they said, oh, we know we sold them to some guy. <laughs> <laughs> and Black Pete said, don't even ask what Blackbeard would do. You're not up for it. <laughs> um, so then uh, Steed, you know, Nigel's taunting him again. It's flashing to his dad and his mm. and Nigel saying, you know, pathetic and never amount to anything. And so Steed goes... I am adequate. <laughs> yeah. Which is such a powerful moment. Like, of course, it's ridiculous, but it's such a powerful moment because mm-hmm. part of the healing of the spirit was also like the elder asking him, like, do you feel inadequate? <laughs> yes. And obviously yes. there's like a very rough cut after that because everybody who is watching this show is like, yes, yes, he does feel inadequate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Um, well, and then it really sparks the change in him Mm -hmm. he strides away and says i said let's get our damned men back yeah and then the hostages i mean and i guess that's where the title comes comes from a damned man um because i was trying to think about like where he's not damned you know i get well no i guess he is because that's that was the whole thing with nigel hallucinating yeah i think so i think that this talks about how now he is damned um and this is Potentially. And I mean, again, we know, we know what happens to him historically. So I think that this is the beginning of the end, possibly for him. It just started, Mary. Don't. (laughs) I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Okay. We can, we can make this last a long time. The history doesn't matter. Obviously, Oluwande's wearing Crocs. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. history mystery. <laughs> yes that's right um so he really strides away he's it's the first time i've seen smooth confidence in him he's shown bumbling confidence where he's mm-hmm. just like eh, i'm sure it'll work out yeah but this is the first time i've seen smooth confidence and it was very nice to see in him it was awesome right um and he is very much striding away with his head held high saying we are going to do this mm-hmm And I think that this is also a big shift, right? Where he's like, we are going to do this. Where he's not just asking the crew for what to do. He's like, we are going to do this. You're going to help me, but we are going to do it. Like there's there's a shift in the power dynamic there, I think. Because he takes ownership of the leadership of the crew. Even if it's just two men. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. At that point, right? (laughs) Yes. So we cut to the beach and <laughs> this great scene where uh, Jim is looking for Lucius and Lucius <laughs> is screaming from a distance. I saw nothing. It's important you know how much I didn't see. Oh, <laughs> Lucius. I love him so much. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> and so you know, Jim is determined to kill Lucius. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lucius says, I'm great at keeping secrets. My mother thought I liked girls for years. <laughs> 
<laughs> and this, I think, is like, I mean, we, we you know, I, I, I think this is like the first open acknowledgement of queerness on the show. It is. And, and the thing is, is um, I think it's important. And I think a lot of people have mentioned that uh, queer people are just allowed to be. It's not a <gasps> shocking moment. It's just, right. that's just, that's what it is. You know, yeah, exactly. He's already, he's already been out. He's, he, he, this is not him coming out. He, he's already been out. Everyone yeah. knows it. And you can great. tell it's, that Jim is not upset by what yeah. Lucius just said, right? It's not, sure. it's not a, it, it doesn't seem to be a surprise to them. <laughs> no, definitely not. And I think, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever seen Shit's Creek. Yeah. Yeah, um, I have genuinely love it (laughs) uh dan levine was very adamant that Mm -hmm. while there was coming out and there were you know stuff about that that there was going to be no homophobia on the Mm -hmm. show because we've seen that like we we all know what that looks like that's no Mm -hmm. fun like we're not we're just not going to have that Mm -hmm. and and it's so refreshing it's like good that's what i want to see in media is exactly. I don't want to see the big shock. Oh no. Oh, what does that mean? You know? And mm-hmm. I know that that is reality for a lot of people, but for some people it's not. Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's model a better way. Yes. Yeah. I think, let's I think at this point, exist. like that's where we are. Let's yeah. model a better way yeah. of handling queerness and disclosure of queerness. Yes. So Jim is on top of Lucius um, about to, stab or cut or something mm-hmm. and says my secret keepers are corpses and uh, just <laughs> they're so menacing jim is so Jim's intense amazing. so <laughs> yes. intense i love them i love their intensity yes um and lucius says uh that he understands what it's like to live in disguise let's yeah. just say not all beards are actual beards if you get my drift <laughs> everybody gets your drift lucius everyone gets your drift <laughs> and um he's reaching for like a a, a branch at this point mm-hmm. and as he's saying that he smacks jim uh, up against their head and and mm-hmm. gets away from jim and jim is very upset um so that is still ongoing yeah steed finds izzy hands with the hostages and says okay here's the plan and yeah. all the goes okay what is it then he says, what's coming. the plan <laughs> a diversion <laughs> that's not a plan <laughs> He's still very commanding. He shushes them. He's like, no, we're going to do this. We're not mm-hmm. giving up on this. Um, yeah. So Steed, Steed himself jumps in front of the group and says, I believe we have dibs on those men. Um, <laughs> so please hand them over quick as you can. You know, yes. I will not be trifled with. <laughs> and <laughs> Izzy walks towards him. Oh, oh you're trifling. <laughs> you know? well, yeah, because Izzy doesn't really see Steed as a, as a threat in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Absolutely not. So Izzy draws his sword and slices uh, the front of Steed's shirt all up. And he says, mm-hmm. oh, you're quite skilled. Um, but at this point, here's the diversion. Um, off in the distance, you hear, oh, you know, noises. This is the ghost of the forest. <laughs> and he's going, oh, did you hear that? And Izzy's like, oh, okay, it's one of your men. Like, mm-hmm. I know what this is. He's like, is it? Yes, it is. Is it? <laughs> yes, it is. But then they throw a rock and hit one of the crew. And Alawande and Pete attack, and through a scuffle, Steed gets the better of Izzy. And so he is holding him at knife point. Yeah. And wants to know his terms. So through through all of this, he he succeeds. He came out on top. 
Exactly. Uh, he got the better of Izzy Hands, who seems like a very seasoned pirate. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, he managed to somehow kill an officer in the British Navy. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's not discount he he caused him harm. You know, he, he, did. he did not. He did not stab him with that blade, but he caused him harm enough that it could have killed him, depending mm-hmm. on where he hit him. Yeah, there you go. So. so I think that at this point, I don't know where I was going with that, but I just feel like he's getting emboldened with every one of his pirate-themed um, <laughs> accomplishments. Yeah, yeah. He's getting a merit badge for everything he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> An extra little button on his flag. Yeah. <laughs> oh, each button. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, so they decide to compromise. And he, he, he says that his entire crew is beyond the trees, which is not true. Mm-hmm. And he yells, upon my signal, unleash hell. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of Izzy's crew members is like crying, saying, he broke my nose. So <laughs> it's kind of fun to see that... Um, even the antagonists are going to have some absurdity mm-hmm. that they're not going to be these hardened, you know, tough pirates that if you hurt them, they're going to be upset about it and stuff like that. So it just, cause I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was just the crew that we're going to get to know mm-hmm. that has the lightness and the absurdity and the humor. And then truly their foils are going to be like the badasses, you know? Yeah. It seems like everyone is very human in that respect. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because a broken nose really hurts. Yeah. Um, like really, really hurts. So yeah. yeah, it would blind you for a little bit. Yeah. So he offers the compromise of giving them one of his hostages, not taking both, which I find so <laughs> funny. Like, what's going to happen to this poor man? <laughs> Right. Why didn't he take both? I don't understand. He could have taken both. Like He really could he have. He could have. Like, they, he had the better of them. He could have said, we're going to do it. And I guess, you know, it just keeps them from, from going back after them. But it's like, you know, why did he do that? And why did he... Why did he separate these two hostages? And what is he going to do with the one hostage he has? And what are they going to do with the other hostage? Like, I feel, you know, you know I, I honestly feel like this is because we've been talking about how basically Steed at this point is kind of like faking it until he makes it. And mm-hmm. so he's both faking it and making it here. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, you know, he was like, well, I can't be too greedy and ask for both because that's True. never going to work. But I think if he had asked for both, he would have gotten both. So, like, I think he undercut himself. I think so, too. I think the the nature of piracy is you take mm-hmm. what you can get through force. And obviously he was there through force. So yeah. he could have gotten that. <laughs> I, um, I agree with you. But he is from a different part of society where yeah. compromises happen so that mutual respect can be maintained. Mm-hmm. And... So he's still operating within his comfort level of those societal norms and offering a compromise when he really didn't need to. You know, there's there's an absurdity to offering a compromise when you're being bested. Mm-hmm. But when he had the upper hand, he offered to compromise when he didn't really have to. I mean, one of them was on the ground crying. <laughs> the other one had a knife to his neck. And then Izzy Hands had a knife to his face. Like, they could have killed them first of all yeah very easily 
and or they could have just tied them up and took their hostages. Mm-hmm. But I guess he's not in the business of trying to make any enemies, especially people who are noticeably tougher than them. <laughs> so that's fair. Uh, it was just interesting. Uh, so he introduces himself, Steed Bonnet, pirate captain, and Izzy Hands. This isn't over, Mister Bonnet. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Good, because I kind of enjoyed it." <laughs> You know, this this fantasy of living like a pirate. He's finally living like a pirate. I mean, how? Yeah. I wonder how many books he read. I wonder how many reports he read about piracy. And he's just fantasizing about being a pirate. And he's finally being able to draw his sword and hold it up to a man's face and, you know, command a crew to do things for him and stuff. It's just, it. you know, good for him. Good for you, Betty. Exactly. Honestly, like, this is... This is literally a part of his dream come true. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I love that. Izzy says, pirates my ass, uh, <laughs> as a parting shot. So then they are getting back onto the ship, and the elder upon which he was laying on his knee uh, is, is there and says, some men aren't built for adventure. Some men should concern themselves with gentler things. Mm-hmm. You are more gentlemen than pirate. I I have some some. I guess, preliminary thoughts about that, because like, we know that he ends up calling himself the gentleman pirate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is kind of another moment or another thread to follow of Steed kind of trying to find his place in the world, mm-hmm. particularly when it comes to his own masculinity, um, yeah. because he's being told that he is one thing, but he f- fancies himself something else that people are seeing as incompatible right Mm -hmm. um but he effortlessly later kind of says well i can be both yeah i can be both those things and make my own way make my own identity and i think that that's really powerful in that it Mm -hmm. reminds us not to let others tell us who we are well and not to let those stereotype stereotypes rule Exactly. Um, who we are. Yeah, there you go. Um, even before, you know, we recognize him as queer, that's that's a very queer... Um, that's a very queer storyline, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, saying some men aren't built for adventure, some men should concern themselves with gentler things. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what are you trying to say there? <laughs> you yeah. know? I mean, it's very clear what he's trying to say in the sense of like, you are not a manly man. You are yes. a gentleman. You are a gentleman. You are of a different class in society. You know, mm-hmm. you should have stayed there. Yeah, and there obviously he didn't fit in there um, with those typical roles. So mm-hmm. he himself is a is a is because, I mean, we talk about the crew as being uh, outcasts, but he I mean, we, we don't really have that much insight into him, into his previous life, but mm-hmm. I would imagine that he felt like an outcast. He felt like yeah. he never belonged. And so... Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how members of that society treated him. Yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. love to see that, actually. Yeah. Um. So the elder tells Alawande he's welcome to stay mm-hmm. uh, and said that Steed's going to get them all killed. Yeah. And Oluwande says, oh, I kind of got somebody on the ship. And mm. he says, oh, you're in love. And he goes, what? No, shut up. It's just my friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just a friend. All right. Yes. Right, Alu. So more, much more confirmation that 
there's, there's going to be some sort of either unrequited love story or, or an actual love story between them. Yeah. Um, and I just want to see what happens. Oh, I know. I know. I know. Can we just watch them all? We can be spoiled, right? It's okay. <laughs> right, Everyone exactly. else has watched it. <laughs> like, I just want to know what's going to happen with Jim and yes. Oluwande. Yes. Yeah. Just show me those scenes. Yeah. Um, and then the, so the, the indigenous elder and Oluwande fist bump. And yes. the elder is very confused by it, but all, you know, so all one day walks off. Um, and Steed, so Steed is on the bow of the ship, still in the ripped shirt, yeah. uh, chest, chest all out. And uh, Nigel is running down the beach, taunting him, but he's like, oh, can't hear you anymore. Yeah. And this is when he said, when he says, why can't one be a gentleman and a pirate, a gentleman pirate? Yeah. Oh, that rings. That was such a beautiful moment. I really loved that. Like it felt very cathartic to kind of see him put together that identity for himself and not really yes. caring what other people are or how people wanted to box him in. Um, yeah, honestly, like I loved that moment that just kind of like put a beautiful little cherry on top of the episode for me. Yeah. And he's just so proud. He's standing there you know, on his ship that he had built and mm -hmm. then he, you know, this crew that is under his command and they had a successful time on this, on this island or on the shore mm -hmm. and um, just a, a good day, good day yeah. in the books. And so now he's exactly. looking for Lucius to write down the gentleman pirate. One last thing that I, I, that is kind of coming back to mind. Do you remember at the beginning of the episode, how Steed was trying to push the revenge by himself and yes. obviously it yeah. wasn't working? Well, here you can see that like to put her back to sea, the whole crew is helping him push. Yeah. So like he couldn't get them and he didn't ask them if yeah. we remember at the beginning, but so nobody was helping him, but here like he he acted out of leadership and like he yeah. he got everybody to push at the same time and to get the ship back a sea. Well, and it's possible as seasoned pirates, they knew that it was futile until the tide came in. So they're like, we're not going to help you. That's also very possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they all work together. They're like, okay, we're, we're done with today. We're going to, mm -hmm. it's kind of like one of those episodes. What, what are the episodes called when you're all in the same room together? Like the, uh, the, on episodic television, when you, um, usually you cut to different settings. Yeah. And then there, what is that? A bottle episode. Mm, oh, how thematic. Yes. Yeah. So it's called a bottle episode. Um, and so this felt like, even though it's definitely a moving setting, you know, where they move around, it felt like a bottle episode where it's one day mm -hmm. they're on you know, this is our beach episode. We're going to go to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where this happens. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of interesting um, that you can see kind of the, the structure of, of the episode. Yeah. But it was very interesting. Let's see. And then there's a little... Uh, yes, there's... And then you were saying that after that, he's looking for Lucius. Yes. Yes. Right. So Lucius is skulking around the bowels of the ship because mm -hmm. he's very scared of Jim. Mm. And uh, Jim, they come up behind him and put a bag over his head and drag him away. He says something about his back. <laughs> Lucius says something about his back. Like, oh, don't, don't do this, my back. Yeah. Um, Lucius is very self-aware in so many yes. ways. He's like, I him. 
know what I like. I know yes. what my body can and cannot handle. Yes. Um, please don't do this to me. You're going to hurt me. Yes. So we do not know the fate yet of Lucius. He is on the ship, at least. He's not left out on the beach. If anything happens to Lucius, I will riot. I know. I love them all too much. Yeah. Um, so we cut to the pirate ship with Izzy hands and mm-hmm. the two crew members and he comes up and says, captain says, follow that ship. And the crew member questions it and Izzy grabs his beard. And then this is the different one than, than the one who got his nose broken. But he, when he walks away, he says, I hate when he does that. It so much. <laughs> like it's like, a, it's, it's a common occurrence, right? <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. Um, and then we slowly move the camera up so we can see the uh, flag and it is the same flag from Black Pete's fantasy sequence. It is Which Black again Beard's confirms flag. that Black Pete was telling the truth. There is some truth to this. There is yeah. some truth to it. Um, <laughs> I have a tiny little aside about Izzy Hands. Okay. Um, it seems like historically he would have been born in 1701 meaning that he would have been about 16 years old around the time that this was happening. (laughs) He's lived a hard life, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He already had white hair. (laughs) That was a hard 16 years. (laughs) Which is fine. I think it it serves the character well to be older in this this show, right? Like, I'm not... Well, and he could have been an unnamed... He could have been who anyone, um, and they could have created a character that they're just kind of pulling. I love, I love this actor. I love his voice. Yeah. I love the way he looks. Like I, I really am enjoying him. He seems like a great menacing, um, legitimate pirate mm-hmm. to stand next to Steed and and look look like he could get the better of him very easily. Well, I think it also shows, you know, if this is the second in command of Blackbeard, and he is so. Uh, impressive than what is Blackbeard really like yes yeah yeah I mean it if he is deferring to Blackbeard then Blackbeard has to be that much scarier right and I I don't think that a 16 year old boy would have had quite the same effect narratively no no I really I really like it I love the name Izzy Hands yeah I think it's really cool Mm -hmm. now I have some information about Blackbeard's flag Ooh, please tell me so this is what we see as Blackbeard's flag. Mm-hmm. Um, people have tattoos of it. People sell flags about it. Um, but that was not actually Blackbeard's flag. <gasps> no. It wasn't actually known as Blackbeard's flag until about 1978. 1978? Okay. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, um... It's a little bit of a meandering story, okay. but basically there was no record of um, Blackbeard, Blackbeard's flag having been described as a two-horned skeleton holding an hourglass and a spear, and the dart of the spear was pointing at a bleeding heart. Oh, my. There was a 1911 book called The Book of Buried Treasure, Being a True History of the Gold, Jewels, and Plates of Pirates, Galleons, etc., mm-hmm. which are sought for to this day that is a book title what in the world let's just call it the book of buried treasure <laughs> i think, a long I think title. yeah I, anything that's like very academic will have ridiculously long titles yeah. it's kind of a thing <laughs> don't ask so I, yeah. in 1911 um there was a flag that was described for the pirate john quelch Okay. who actually operated off the coast of Brazil in 1704. Mm-hmm. And it was described as the old Roger 
having in the middle of it an anatomy, which was a skeleton, with an hourglass in one hand and a dart in the heart with three drops of blood proceeding from it in the other. The hourglass seems to be coming back. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I think probably talking about the short life of pirates. Yes. Yes. Potentially. Yes. So um, that was that was given a description for a pirate named John Quelch. Mm-hmm. And he was actually killed, I think, in like 1707. So this is 10 years before this is supposed to happen. Okay. With Blackbeard. Um, but so that was supposed to be a completely different pirate in a completely different place. Mm-hmm. And somehow that got transposed from the old Roger flag to the jolly Roger flag throughout a lot of just history being retold and told and retold. Mm. So a pirate historian in 1933 named Charles Gray confused Quelch's hanging with that of another pirate crew along with the future Blackbeard flag. Oh. It got a little confused. And they said that the flag was called the Jolly Roger. It was probably all the heroin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It was not until 1978 upon the pop- upon the publication of a popular Time Life book, The Pirates of the Spanish Main, mm-hmm. written by the English adventurer Douglas Scott Bodding and illustrated by Gareth Floyd, that the flag of the horned skeleton holding an hourglass was attributed to Blackbeard. Wow. No one seems to know why. <laughs> um, perhaps That's Time so Life found it embarrassing that the world's best-known pirate did not, at the time, seem to have his own flag. Um, so they said he did wow. have his own flags, though. Historically, it was just mm-hmm. the skull and crossbones. Okay. Or just a black, a simple black flag with a skull in the center. So actually closer to what we imagine, like, a, a generic pirate flag to be. Yes. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, They said the stern of the newly acquired Queen Anne's Revenge displayed a flag described in a deposition as the death head. And that was the deposition from November 1717. Mm. Yeah, that was right before he. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It said four months later, when Blackbeard's flotilla of vessels engaged and captured the ship Protestant Caesar off of Honduras, they flew what a witness described as black flags and death heads in them. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, again, the whole cultivating of his image is very present here. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So the flag we see is definitely not uh, the Blackbeard flag, but it is in the last 50 years has become known as Blackbeard's flag. Mm. I find it interesting how they're like kind of um, making use of the stories that are told about Blackbeard to Mm -hmm. tell his story. Like, I, I just find this really, really interesting. They're really building up the mythos of Blackbeard. Yes, exactly. And like using the mythos that already exists rather yes. than trying to stay historically accurate, which I, I mm-hmm. really appreciate. Like yeah. it, it makes really good use of oral history um, that is, again, it's, oral history isn't very valued in Western cultures. And mm-hmm. so for them to use that specifically, I think is is very subversive. Well, you talk about subverting expectations from the last episode. Yeah. We're going to meet Blackbeard. Yes. I'm very excited for that. Yeah. They're building up this mythos of this character. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited for what they're going to subvert. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, I'm excited to see that too. Do you have any uh, final thoughts about this episode? 
Um, not really. No, at this point, I think okay. I think I'm ready to go see what what's shored up <laughs> on the shore. <laughs> what washed up? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right. So we're gonna head to the shore for the message in a bottle. This message reads, Our flag means death is an opportunity to forget about real life for a while and enjoy the humor of a delightful pirate show. It's a chance to laugh and relax. I would agree with that. Yeah, I think that this is such... This this really fits with what we discussed this episode, right? Because they were supposed to be on vacation and doing things that they enjoy. It's just such a delightful experience to watch this mm-hmm. show so yeah. far for me anyway. Well, and we are dissecting it. We're looking for themes. We're researching. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not the way ha- everyone has to do it. Um, you know, when I watch it, I watch it the first time for pure entertainment. And um, yeah. then we start taking notes on it. So I do think that it is wonderful to just be able to throw it on. People have talked about how many how many times they've watched this over and over and over. And yeah. since it's so short, I mean, it's only 30-minute episodes and there's only 10 of them. So that's five hours of your life of, to tell mm-hmm. this story. In some ways, it's not enough at all. In many ways, it's not enough at all. And that's why we're making this show. Especially because it creates such a safe space for so many different themes for people who are living oppression in real life, right? And that's kind of why we decided to take it and spread it out and chop it up and talk about it some more, just to give a little bit more content and and to be able to savor it a little bit better. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the reality is that just on a very personal level, it kind of forces me not to binge it. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly why. (laughs) Which I I would absolutely do. I got up to episode four and I was like, it's going to be over so soon. I need to make a podcast. <laughs> I need to enjoy this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I think that that was a delightful idea because now I'm, I'm kind of wondering, I'm like, oh, what's going to happen in the yeah. next episode? Maybe I'll just turn it on while I work after we're yeah. done this. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, and they dropped it two episodes a week. So we're even, Oh, we're watching it even slower. Then it came out because it only, it dropped two episodes per week on HBO Max. Oh, that's uh, well, that's I was like, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a nice compromise for people that's who nice. are like, just drop it all at once, or okay, one per week. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's a nice compromise. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I really like that. I there's a part of me that wishes that I could have lived it yeah. as it was coming yeah. out. Um, but I, I, I thoroughly enjoy the experience that I'm having right now. My having to kind of blur my eyes, make my eyes blur a little, make my vision blur a little bit while I'm scrolling my timeline. So I don't see too much. <laughs> that is yeah. kind of a pain in the butt. I did try to mute the word, uh, like OFMD. And then I wasn't able to engage with like our Twitter account. I was like, okay, never mind. I can't do oh, this. No. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. a problem. So I have to <laughs> delete the muted word. Uh, so I just kind yeah. of, I just kind of make my vision blur as I'm scrolling the timeline. If I see anything with Steed or Ed or anything, I'm like, okay, nope. Yeah, there skip you it. Go. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, like before I knew this, I, I was watching a lot. So well, watching, I was seeing yes. a lot of the stuff that was coming out. So I do know where it's mm. heading, but I, 
still, yeah. the experience is still Super very delightful fun, yeah. because you can't really explain like the humor that is in this second episode in a tweet. Yeah. There's a lot of hyperbole on social media. And so, like I said earlier that like people are like, oh, it's a pirate rom-com. And I thought they were joking. Um, so yeah. it's fun to see when the hyperbole doesn't match, but it's fun to see when the hyperbole <laughs> does match. And you're like, oh, I mean... Social media is its own version of Black Pete in yeah, some ways, right? right. <laughs> Telling yes, stories. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Do you have any predictions for the next episode? Okay, well, I'm going to say that next episode, we are certainly going to meet Blackbeard because okay. we met like his mythos this this episode, but we didn't really meet him. Uh-huh. So I'm hoping we get to meet him. Do you have any predictions as to like what the crew is going to be up to? Well, I really want to know what happens to Lucius and Jim. I think that, I think Aluande might stop Jim from hurting mm-hmm. Lucius because he understands how much Lucius means to yes. Steed and he's kind of afraid of the repercussions of that. Yes. So I'm I'm hoping that that happens and that nothing happens to Lucius. Yes, I hope so too. Aluande is very level-headed, so he seems like he would kind of uh, caution. Right. Like he, he calms Jim's yeah. fire. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's what I'm hoping for. And I also think that Steed is going to up the ante again and do something even more piratey. Okay. <laughs> Yay. Can't wait. <laughs> Thank you for visiting the Gentleman Pirates Library. Please do wash your hands before reading. Who knows what kind of dirt you found on the deck. Please also subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. You can send us a message in a bottle using the link in our show notes and Twitter bio. Speaking of Twitter, you can find us at Gentleman Pirate. That's the word gentleman, P-I-R, and the number eight. We'll be back next week with our coverage of book three. Why couldn't the pirate crew play cards? Because they had to have all hands on deck? So close. No. Because the captain was standing on the deck. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) One of these days we'll run out of pirate jokes. No, never. (laughs) 